A word of warning. This podcast may contain themes that some listeners might find distressing. Not always, but sometimes. However, this podcast will definitely contain strong language. Therefore, if neither of these things sound appealing, it's probably not the podcast for you then, is it? Hello and welcome to the Narcissist Ramblings podcast with me, the Narcissist Psychologist, where I'm very excited to have, I guess you're a, a returning guest, although you officially haven't been on the podcast, um, but you and I did a live together, didn't we, Marta? Yes, we did. Um, so I have with me today Dr. Marta De Roscoyado, um, who is going to talk to me today about um, shame. And I think the reason why I wanted to invite Marta onto the podcast is because she is a clinical psychologist who works primarily with children and adolescents. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And I thought that her insights into how, I guess, shame develops would be really important and interesting for this conversation. Because um, I guess, well, as I was saying to you earlier, just before the recording started, I guess I've noticed on social media that there is quite a lot of discussion around shame. And it's one of the sort of really popular um, I guess, topics that relate to people's mental health, um, why people might engage in particular behaviours, why they might sort of engage in things that are maybe unhelpful for them. And I guess as with anything on social media, there seem like things get picked up on quite a lot. I don't know if you've noticed this on social media, where things get picked up quite a lot and things become a bit of a a hot topic almost. Yeah, like and a trend. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, like, and it's, you know, I... I don't like to say that things are trendy on social media because then you can tend to, you know, run run the run the risk of offending people. But actually, it does become a bit of a trend because it tends to be picked up by, you know, psychologists and then coaches and everyone and their dog that's involved in sort of um, discussions around mental health. Which, again, you know, I say this so many times on my podcast is like I think that it's great and I think that it's wonderful. But I think all these conversations just take one or tend to take one sort of narrow view yeah um and i just thought that actually there's so much about shame um that isn't necessarily spoken about on social media and who yeah. better than to talk to a uh psychologist who works with children about the development of shame um so hello and welcome how are you oh thank you for inviting me i'm okay thank you i'm all right i mean i should probably say I'm not a shame expert, but I do, <laughs> I do see children and teenagers and I do talk about shame quite a lot mm -hmm. in therapy. It's not always named, which is interesting. This is just okay. a personal reflection as we're talking. Probably we don't always name it as shame. Often, yes, but sometimes not. And I think there's something very powerful about shame. Mm -hmm. You know, like even the word shame can make people feel shame. So, you know, there's some research on just using the word can make people feel ashamed. Okay. Um, and I agree with you. I think there is like a one way track on social media about how we talk about shame. And actually, it's so complex. So I'm not in any kind of belief that I understand everything about shame. But, 
you know, we can like navigate this together and see what we come up with. <laughs> I, I agree. I am also not an expert on shame. I guess sort of my interest from shame obviously, you know, comes from a bit more of a forensic perspective um, mm. where obviously, you know, the idea of whether somebody can feel guilty or ashamed potentially about the things that they have done and how that yes. might and how that might that how that might then um shape future behavior or or some motivation or develop yes. some intrinsic motivation to want to be different live a different life learn some different skills do things differently and go down a different path um i know there's again like you i'm not a massive shame boffin shall we say um <laughs> oh, I, but if if anybody is a shame boffin listening to this and they want to um you know have a, another conversation please feel free to let me know but i guess um yeah i i guess i just find the subject quite interesting mm. um and there is a lot of research that i can't quote off the top of my head where within the sort of forensic setting engaging people in um i guess rehabilitation interventions that are shaming mm. tends to not work so well because obviously mm. you know the idea of shaming people and making them expose themselves can actually mm -hmm. kind of like push all those shameful things and underneath but i guess the but i guess on the flip side there is something about identifying and helping people understand that what yes. they did had a consequence and yes. that it impacted not only them and not only their victim but other people and that actually yes. there was a, a bit of a ripple effect mm -hmm. and the idea being that once they hopefully realize the extent of what happens mm -hmm. that kind of creates enough internal aversive feeling which i guess yeah. you would or motivation guess, yeah. or whatever you want to call yeah. it yeah which i guess you would probably name as either embarrassment shame or something along those mm -hmm. uh, along that kind of spectrum to kind of make them go oh okay shit, I, that's something that i don't want to do anymore or i don't want to live that kind of life um mm -hmm. so yeah so i think that's really key for me like this you know we often think of shame as something that we think and feel you know like I am a bad person, I feel bad, but actually shame is about an experience that we have in relationship to others. Mm -hmm. So shame isn't just about us, it's about us in relation to others. So just as you were saying, you know, like in your forensic setting about how it's not just about them, it's thinking about the consequences on others as well. Mm -hmm. I think that is the really important difference around shame as an emotion. Um, compared to other emotions well they're all in relationship with others but in particular like shame is very very relational it's about our experience of ourselves in the world and with others like how do others perceive us how how are we seen by other people mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and I think you know and I think that's maybe what people don't necessarily well I don't know maybe they do on social media I don't know um give them credit where credit's potentially due is that maybe they know a bit more about shame than we do but it certainly doesn't necessarily <laughs> it certainly doesn't always seem to come across on social media no. um and I guess oftentimes what kind of gets con confused is the difference between shame and guilt mm. but also being shamed is not the same as feeling shame exactly. or like feeling ashamed I should probably say that grammatically yeah. correct um so it's really interesting that in forensic settings you were saying like shaming people doesn't work because mm -hmm. 
in my work with children and parents, I think one of the things that is really challenging and confronting for adults is this idea that if we shame children, it's actually not teaching them anything. It's not a helpful tool. It's not us shaming them that helps them learn things because that actually blocks them from being able to learn because all they can think is I'm a bad person and all they feel in relationship to the parent or to the adult teacher, you know, another adult is this person doesn't like me because I'm a bad person. And that's not the way to learn. Like we know that shame is a terrible teacher, like it doesn't help develop skills. So there's a real difference between consciously internalizing a sense of I did something wrong and that's making me feel bad to that person's making me feel bad because they think I did something wrong. It's like a really subtle nuance, but it's mm. very different. And one of them I think is I'm not going to say positive, but something you can learn from, which mm. is feeling ashamed. You can learn from that. And the other one is can be abusive, can be toxic, can be really unhelpful. It's interesting you say that because I'm um, just before this podcast. Well, earlier today, actually, I was reading just a couple of papers around the, not papers like the journals, articles rather um, about sort of, you know, shame. And actually one of the I think it's a, a Vox that Vox online magazine um it talks about actually constructive shame mm -hmm. and toxic shame so the idea that actually like like you've just identified that actually in certain circumstances um feeling ashamed or feeling shame about something that we've done is a bit of an it's it's an aversive response like it's a it's an aversive feeling isn't it we don't like it yeah, we don't, it's painful it, yeah it makes us feel mm. really exposed it makes us feel oh god like i've really done yes. something awful here and actually that's theoretically supposed to be bad enough to make us then not want to do whatever it is that we've done mm -hmm. um which is you know meant to be helpful i think the <laughs> i think the example that was given was um if you go on a night out um and you wake up and you have a memory of you know misbehaving in a way that is not ideal and you wouldn't necessarily be proud of and you know you wouldn't go around telling your parents of what you did the shame of that <laughs> should theoretically make you go oh okay the next time i go out i'm probably not going to go oh, i don't know i'm not going to drink as much <laughs> as i did i'm just going to behave myself a little bit better um Whereas, and that's meant to be constructive shame. So that's meant to be something yes. that kind of guides what we do and, and um, uh, modifies our behavior essentially. And then you've obviously got what you were talking about, which is like the toxic shame, which is where we get into the, the, the field of shaming, where yes. people say, the reason that you did this is because something intrinsically wrong with you or something intrinsically yes. about you that yes. is either bad not good worthless all that kind of stuff which are then unlovable yeah whatever it is yeah, yeah. which mm -hmm. obviously then people will um i guess internalize and um take on board that um take that on board rather um and actually the other thing i don't know if you know this um but apparently the reason why we have shame from an evolutionary perspective is to promote social cohesion mm -hmm. social connectedness so that going back to yeah so going back to the idea of like you know when we were lived in tribes and we sort of um uh we kind of ruled our own 
um, little communities, the idea is that if you know you did something wrong, you were shunned or I guess effectively shamed by mm -hmm. the the tribe. You know, you were kind of like sent away or you were in some shape or form, you were made to 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 be you were identified as the I don't know transgressor of some kind, with the idea being that you've obviously gone against the um social norms of that particular yes. group um which then obviously um once you've done that i guess you kind of learn your lesson don't you mm -hmm. and um just, you don't you no longer do that and i guess and i guess picking up on what you were saying about how people maybe get confused and think that using shame is a parenting technique is that mm -hmm. if you take that kind of example that I've just given and then you apply that to children people then think that that's how you raise children by saying go sit on the naughty step or because that's effectively what like shunning and shaming isn't it it's absolutely like, rejecting yeah yep. you go sit on the naughty step um I'm not saying that these or what's have... wrong with you like <laughs> yeah why would you do that? You know, like exactly. that, or, I, or like a really subtle one is that I'm, so, I'm not angry, but I'm so disappointed in you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, and again, it's all relational. It's that kind of, you know, you make me feel shamed to be with you or to know you or it's that. And I think what you just said is so important because Brene Brown talks about shame it being can't remember how she phrases it, but like a problem around disconnection mm -hmm. and like the antidote to shame is empathy. So it's about connection it, because what shame tells you is you're bad, you're a bad person. And often what shame does is make people withdraw like children, adults. And we don't want to talk about our shame a bit like, like your example of somebody going on a night out and doing something really wild and then being like oh my god i'm never talking about that again um which is not the same as going on a night out and doing something wild but funny and then you know it turns into funny stories you know yeah. like shame makes you like close off disconnect from others so it's interesting because yeah the, the antidote to it is empathy which is a connecting emotion it's something that brings you together so what you just said makes a lot of sense evolution evolutionarily oh i can't say that word <laughs> evolutionarily yeah yeah just from like what i remember reading from like mm -hmm. brene brown who's done tons of research on shame that's what mm -hmm. she talks about yeah and i guess you know those tribes maybe didn't have it down a hundred percent and there's probably ways and means in which they shunned people and kind of out made them outcasts that probably yeah. was quite um I guess, you know, if we're thinking about the, the toxic versus constructive shame. And I guess, um, I suppose when we think about, I guess, a, you know, a really easy example. And again, this is why I wanted to talk to you because of your skills and expertise and your knowledge in terms of, you know, parenting. So if shame is effective in the sense that it helps us moderate our behavior, because I guess, like you're saying, it's about it's it's relational it's learning mm -hmm. about myself in relation to other people and i guess more specifically it's generally about rules isn't it it's about yes. how do you know my like how do i navigate this world in conjunction with the various rules that exist and we tend to then you know learn most of our rules for living from our parents because i guess that's where it all mostly starts yeah. isn't it 
Um, so if shame then is, you know, an effective tool for helping us learn the rules, but also we don't want to shame, mm -hmm. which is, you know, not helpful because then, as you say, that starts to create the internal map of I'm bad, I'm unlovable, I'm all that. What's the fine balance between and I know it sounds really harsh to say this, and I'm not trying to say that we are trying to create shame within our children purposefully, but mm -hmm. I guess things have natural consequences, right? There's, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't just let children run willy nilly wild without any kind of boundaries. Cause that then also no, you has can't. its own. That's not parenting. Exactly. That has its own <laughs> set of, you know, consequences. <laughs> So I guess, yeah, so how, how, well, I suppose, what are the mechanics then behind doing enough to kind of create that internal aversion so that children learn what, what the boundaries are versus shaming? And I suppose just off the top of your head or from any of your experience, do you have an answer to that? So I think it's a really good question. I think it's, you know, to turn shame from something that could be quite toxic into a learning opportunity, I think we have to learn to move with empathy so when children do something wrong mm -hmm. we first have to connect with them which is okay. something i talk about all the time so you need to build like that relationship and that connection so your child's done something wrong and there's a consequence for it or a natural consequence that you just said and if that's the case you know you've got to assume that your child may start to feel bad that something's happened like I don't know, they played with a ball in the house and they're not supposed to and something's got broken, okay? Rather than jumping in, you know, with like telling them off or shaming them in some way, you can try and just notice what your child has done. So I often tell parents to pause because it's the pause that's going to help you connect with your child because it's, it's kind of instinctive, I think, to kind of, go in with the telling off or whatever it is, you know, how many times have I had to tell you not to play with a ball? Like, look what you've done, whatever it is. But if you just slow that down, then you might be able to meet your child in a place where you can say, okay, what well, what's just happened here? Mm -hmm. So just that what's happened here? Same with, so I obviously said an accent like playing with a ball, but I can think of times when my daughter's drawn on the table <laughs> and she knows she's not supposed to draw on the table. And I could go in there and tell her off and do all of that. It's very easy. Like that's easy. But instead I slowed it down. I said to her, what, what's happened here? Cause she clearly deliberately had drawn on a table and she said something like I was drawing and I said, yes. And where do we draw? And she said, paper. So like, you know, walking her through, but there's still a consequence. Okay. Mm -hmm. Without a consequence, this isn't really parenting. And for me, it's about connecting in that moment with your child and then helping them develop kind of problem solving skills, but also thinking about the consequence of what they've done. Mm -hmm. When I said to her, we draw on paper, you know that, don't you? She said, yes. I said, Where, where's this drawing? And she was like on the table. And all I said to her was, what do we do now? She's four, just so we're clear about how little <laughs> she is. Yeah. And she said, we have to clean it up. And I said, great. Should I get you some stuff and you clean it up? And she did. She cleaned it up. That's her consequence. Like, mm -hmm. it's not me cleaning it up. She also doesn't get me screaming and shouting in her face because that's not going to teach her anything other than I'm scary. But 
I've broken that down and that's a really simple kind of little child one. But what it is, is about connecting with somebody in the moment, mm -hmm. walking them through thinking about the consequences of their behavior. You know, what is the consequence of what you've just done? You know, like we talk about furniture being all of ours. You know, this is our home. We look after our things together. Like we talk about that a lot in our family. Um, and so she knew I've done something and it's wrong. Like she knew I don't have to tell her it's wrong. She knows. And then it's about saying like, and how do we repair? How do we make this better? Like, you know, what's the consequence of this? She has to clean it up and yeah. I just thank her and then we move on. And, you know, I just remind her next time, don't draw on the table. <laughs> like, you know, that's not what we do, but the, the, the way to do it is through like allowing your children to learn self-awareness so that they start to begin to think I'm making a choice right now to draw on the table or draw on a piece of paper yeah. is about choices. But saying to kids like you need to make a better choice really doesn't teach them anything because most kids are like, well, what is the better choice? Yeah, exactly. So you have to walk them through. I'm obviously talking about children here, but they need like that self-awareness. They need that kind of emotional literacy to be able to go, I got really carried away or it was an impulse or, you know, yeah, I really wanted to play with a ball and it's raining outside. So yeah, I did something wrong, you know, whatever it is. And that's the way that children then feel shame. Mm -hmm. They might feel shame, but I'm not shaming her. Like, yeah, that's the difference. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I'm quite interested in is the, it's naturally going to happen, isn't it? The questions of, so what have you done here? which obviously they then even just by the tone and just yeah, by the way in which you, just yeah. by the way you've walked in and they and they'll mm -hmm. probably know from previous experience where you've talked about how we only do do drawing on a piece of paper they'll probably know and it's just the i think i think the thing that i'm trying to think about is that feelings of shame are inevitable aren't they it's Absolutely. not it's not like we can never go through life without ever feeling shame and then no, actually... shame is not, it's, you know, shame is like a critical emotion. Yeah. And no emotion is fully bad. Like no emotion is bad. Like I say that a lot, but it's true. They're all messengers is how I think about it. Mm -hmm. Emotions are messengers that give us information about our lived experiences and our relationships with others in the world. And it's so important that we don't just try and block shame, you know, in terms of like, I should never feel this because it's bad. That's not like, that's not right. Yeah. And I think that's why I really want to have this conversation is because I feel like on social media, it's the idea that shame is bad. And absolutely, like if we're talking about people who have had, you know, who have been shamed or who have got messages that they are horrible or that they yeah. are unworthy and unlovable and don't deserve anything nice like i can absolutely appreciate that they want to heal from that and they absolutely deserve to but heal we call from that. that abuse exactly and exactly. Like we need to call it what it is that exactly. is emotionally abusive and i guess what i'm just cautious about is that maybe those people Mm -hmm. might be really scared of ever feeling shame which absolutely makes sense you know it's a you know often in often in my job we talk about people being emotional burns victims where mm. you know they they're really sensitive to those emotional um mm. activations and shame can be a really really sensitive tough painful emotion to feel mm -hmm. but i guess also it's not something that 
we can ever get away from. And it's also not something that we should want to get rid of completely no. because it, it has its benefits, as you just highlighted very beautifully with your example about what you've done with your daughter. It has a purpose and it has a function in the sense that it helps us know that actually this is something that I've done. And it's, you know, you. I know you didn't say that you were disappointed in your daughter. And I know that you no. didn't say that you didn't shout at her. But from the tone, from the questions. Oh, from, she knows. Yeah, mm. exactly. From all that, she mm. definitely knows that she's done something wrong. And that's the thing with shame as well. It's about power. So we need to like, you know, as a parent, always remember you're in a position of power, but equally, you know, with the people you work with, mm -hmm. there will have been instances probably in their childhood where yeah. that happened from people in positions of power. Like Absolutely. it's very hard to be shamed by someone who is less powerful than you. So you need to think about that. Like that's why it's also abusive because it's a, exactly. you can use shame as a form of control mm -hmm. to make somebody do what you want them to do. You can shame them into it. You can shame mm -hmm. them into behaving or acting in certain ways. Mm -hmm. So that's really important to think about as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, the, the, the reason why people are able to subject people to um, abuse in the way that they are is because of the power that they hold or the position that they have above that person. That's really helpful reminded to and i guess as parents you know whilst whilst we might not necessarily want to lord power over our children it's just again it's a natural order of things isn't it they're it's inevitable yeah they're young and need guidance and direction and we are the people that have the guidance and direction to give i guess it's a bit yeah. similar in in my we're job, always right? in a position of power you can't you can't take that away exactly you just you know part of working with shame is acceptance as well like you have to accept, <laughs> like, you know, you have to accept that sometimes as a parent as well, you're going to feel shame. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. You're going to feel shame. Definitely. You're going to feel guilty. You're going to get it wrong. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, in terms of not making that toxic and turning it into a learning opportunity comes from self-awareness, acceptance, mm -hmm. compassion, because it's empathy towards you. So it's about developing self-compassion to like mm -hmm. learn from the thing that you've got wrong, mm. but you have to accept like you are in a position of power and there are going to be times where you get it wrong. There's going to be times where you shame your child like inadvertently, but the more you become aware of that, the more you can work through that. If that makes sense. If you just yeah. avoid it or push it down, that turns into like toxic emotion. And I guess, so it's quite interesting what you say about power. So what would you say? Cause I guess, even in relationships. So, you know, even you might be in a relationship where ideally the sort of power balance is even to a degree, right? Um, so say for example, me and my partner do something and I might point out that she has done something wrong as it were, or she mm -hmm. might point out that I've done something wrong or I've done something that isn't necessarily what she expected or I've done something late you know, in exactly the same way that you have highlighted to your daughter that sort of drawing on a table isn't what isn't where you're supposed to draw. My partner might say to me, um, I don't know, you've missed taking the bins out for the last three weeks. Not that that's necessarily my job, but just as an example. <laughs> yeah. And just kind of saying, but now because you've not done that, 
we have a huge pile of refuse <laughs> in the back of our house and that means that obviously it's blah 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 whatever the consequences of that might be and i may feel shame because of that because yes. actually oh god yeah no that was my job or i was supposed to do that or she did ask yes. me three weeks in a row to do it um and and so yeah so so whilst it, it can come from positions of power it can also come from yes um you know people just asking us everyday things yes that we may not have done you know again if you know if she turned around and said i'm useless and i'm a, i'm an absolutely terrible partner and a awful father to my children because i forgot to take out the trash that would be shaming and that would be absolutely. abusive and that yeah. wouldn't be very nice no. <laughs> but you know if um but by just simply highlighting the thing that i've done wrong yes um you know it's inevitable that i am going to feel shameful i am going to feel mm -hmm. ashamed and feel mm -hmm. some shame um and so the, the the idea then being that hopefully next week or in two weeks time, whenever the bin goes out, <laughs> I, I do actually take the bins up just so you know, uh, not for you necessarily, but for the good listeners. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm probably more inclined to take the bins out, aren't I? Because, you know, she's highlighted the consequences that actually the back of our house is turning into a tip. And mm -hmm. that's not good. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's interesting. I think when people have that experience, sometimes they will say, you're shaming me, right? That happens a lot. Absolutely. Um, that also happens to me on my page when I say something and it's often around shame. Like it's so interesting. Shame breeds shame, which, which is true. You know, like I said at the beginning, but there is, there is mm. even some research that just using the word shame will shame some people. Um, and what some people will say is, well, you're shaming us. You've just said that if we say this to our children, we're shaming them. So you've just shamed me by telling me that. And I'm like, mm. I have not, because I've never said you're a bad parent or you're a horrible parent or you're, you know, if you do this, you shouldn't mm. have children. You know, that's not who I am or how I would speak about it. I'm trying to inform or give some support, some advice to whoever yeah. wants it. It's not for everybody. Um, and that's fine too, by the way, but it's really interesting because there's something about the experience of feeling shame in relationship to somebody else. Just like that example is actually really nice with you and your partner, your mm -hmm. wife, that makes people go on out. You're shaming me. Mm. And that's a defense. And so many people don't understand that. And what I mean by defense, because if you're not a psychologist, <laughs> you know, it's jargon. I know yeah, yeah, yeah. the way I think about it is like an armor. Yeah. Okay. It's like my walls are coming up you know i'm sticking my armor on and now shame doesn't touch me anymore because i'm blaming you for making me feel bad it's your fault that you've made me feel this way because shame is such a painful experience that we try and push it away as much as we can and you know part of that can also be quite toxic in a relationship with other people like not with me who's just on Instagram, but, you know, in a couple relationship that can be really toxic because it can stop somebody from being able to express their needs. Right. Like in that exactly. example. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cause as soon as you, as soon as you start to weaponize your own exactly. shame, um, then it starts to create an environment where actually somebody, somebody, the, the person that you live with or your friends or your family or whatever are literally never able to offer any kind of criticism or Correct. constructive or constructive feedback. feedback about what yes. you might have done because then if you 
label that as because if you label the fact that you feel shame as being shamed Correct. then that opens up an entire entirely different avenue of of interaction which is just not helpful and harmful and then you become the victim exactly in this situation like you know your example where your wife is saying please help me yeah you know, and i'm like you haven't done this please help me how dare you make me feel bad you know how dare you put me in this position like yeah. you're the bad person i'm yeah. not the bad person and I don't know what happens with your rubbish, right? But, but <laughs> it that's just piles up thing. and no one ever picks exactly. it up. It just yeah. piles up. Or your wife decides to do it, which is, you know, potentially fine because you both live in the same household. Obviously, mm -hmm. it was your little example. But, but it might make your wife, what, you know, the consequence of that is also your partner, your wife, the other feeling like, I can never say anything. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not allowed to speak about my mm -hmm. needs or my feelings in this relationship because you are not willing to accept or listen or understand or empathize right and that, and that becomes shaming doesn't it because actually Correct. then my needs are not important and anytime i say something actually i'm met with this criticism of me being a bad person me bringing up stuff me causing controversy drama whatever in yes. the house so actually by my deflection of the shame back onto my partner, by the way, just in case anyone's come to this conversation halfway through, this is an example. Um, <laughs> the, my, the, the deflection of my uh, shame back onto my partner would then be shaming for her to the point where actually she, she may just feel like she can never ever ask me for anything for fear that actually I'm gonna turn around and just go, you're shaming me or you're purposefully making yeah. me feel awful. Yeah. Yeah. And that happens a lot with shame. Like when we feel ashamed that we just like blame the other or blame something else, you know, like shifting the blame just so we're not holding on to this painful experience because it's it can feel so bad to feel shame. Because again it comes because again it comes back down to what you were saying about um I think um I think it's Brené Brown as well also is it Brené Brown probably where she talks about um the difference between guilt and shame yes, where she says different. shame says you're a bad person and guilt You've says you did something, something wrong yeah yeah um so the re so when we feel shame because shame tells us that we're a bad person and you know we we, d we don't want to feel that so therefore we immediately as you say the armor comes up and we immediately back at battered back to the person that's made us feel that yeah. way and we become we become critical we become blaming we become we start pointing fingers at people and saying you did this and you did that and or why are you doing this yeah. um but actually you know like like i was saying right at the start shame is a natural occurrence it is going to happen it's there for a reason yes if you're in a relationship where you're purposefully being shamed and blamed and not listened to and made to feel like a horrible person that is venturing into the toxic shame domain and that is an abusive relationship or you, that is abuse in some shape or form but actually to feel shame and to have somebody do something that makes you feel shame as a as you know them presenting a request or them giving you feedback or them asking for their needs to be mm -hmm. met in some way isn't a bad no. thing it just means that the expectation hasn't been met and you've probably fallen short of that in some shape or form that relational dynamic 
that you're talking about just hasn't been met and you probably just need to try harder or in the event of my partner and I have a bit of a negotiation about who takes the bins out and maybe she does it one week and I do it another week and we just take turns. But, but I guess it's, it's, I I love what you said about emotions and, um, it's, it's, it's a message, isn't it? It's a message. So if you feel shame in a particular situation, again, not in a abusive situation because that is in and of itself and not talking about that in this particular scenario, if you feel shame for a particular reason, listen to it. Absolutely. Notice as to, uh, you know, notice why that's come up. Be curious about, okay, this has come up. I feel this particular way. What's happening here? Yes, absolutely. And try and meet it with compassion if you can. You know, yes. like, yeah. why am I feeling so bad? You know, why can't I take criticism or what, why can't I learn from what this person's saying? Or, you know, if we say something to somebody, we get something wrong in an interaction and they tell us what you said really hurt me. Some people feel shame by that, right? Um, Mm-hmm. For example, my best example of this would be um, doing kind of anti-racism work and actually really learning what that means rather than just skimming the surface. Mm. Um, I don't mind talking about this, but personally, I felt a lot of shame when I understood, you know, actual racism and when I understood what being actively anti-racist is about, which I am working on and probably will work on for the rest of my life now because it's not something you just are. And yeah. just learning about that, I found it, I found myself feeling very ashamed, like recognizing things that I've said or done or not even realizing because it's so unconscious that mm. these things are, you know, really racist. Like, you know, in thinking, but I'm a really good person. I can't be racist. Mm. I can because I live in a westernized world where the narrative is about white supremacy, which doesn't mean that you're from the Ku Klux Klan. It just means that, you know, white narratives and white people are privileged over everybody else. And that's something I've just absorbed, like growing up and it's natural, like, but accepting it you know, moving from shame to acceptance was really hard for me. So I'm going to say that because it's true. It was painful. And, you know, the the moving is about kind of moving through guilt for me. You know, it's moving from shame of I'm a terrible, terrible person and that kind of like fragile victim place to I'm not a terrible person. I just did something wrong because I didn't know any better which is Mm -hmm. guilt. I did something wrong and I can do something better now. Like I can't go back in time and change everything and repair everything I've done. You know, it's too late, but I can definitely move forward in a different way. And in a way, like what I'm talking about is what it's like to move with that feeling of shame. It comes from a place of acceptance, self-compassion, like reminding yourself especially if it's in like your parenting, like you shouted at your child as the most common one. You know, people feel really sh- ashamed of that. Like, oh, I'm a monster or whatever it is. You need to just remind yourself, I'm not a monster. I'm a human who's depleted and tired. And yeah, I know shouting at my kid isn't great. Venting out my anger at them isn't helpful. I've done something scary. And 
I can do something better. I can repair with my child. I can repair with myself by reminding myself I'm a really good parent. I'm trying really hard. And actually the experience of shame should tell you if you have it, if you feel shame in those moments, that you are a good parent because good parents care about getting things right. So if you shout at your child and then you feel bad, that tells you something important. Yes, you did something wrong. And you're a good parent for even just recognizing that that wasn't okay. Okay, I don't know any bad parents out there, but for me, the worst thing that can happen is you shout at your children and you just don't care, right? Like lack of empathy, lack of like acknowledging. Connection, yeah, connection. understanding. To me, that's yeah. abuse, right? Like if it carries yep. on, because you're like, well, I don't care how they feel, tough luck. You know, I'm the parent. That's when I'm like, oh, uh-oh. But if what you feel is shame, you're a good parent. Like you shouldn't take that as a signal of your badness. You need to move that, you know, move through that with compassion. Um, and that's the way I think that we shift shame into something unhelpful, into something that motivates us. Like exactly what you were saying, like that internal motivation of doing better, of kind of saying, okay, next time, what do I need to not shout at my child? How am I going to prevent this from happening? You're not going to prevent mm -hmm. it every time, like, especially if you're parenting, like, because it's how we are, like we're just human and you're going to get it wrong sometimes. But just recognizing that you can do something and putting it in place is going to make things better for you and your child. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to sort of, you know, that's amazing about sort of what you were saying about um, recognizing shame within yourself as a parent and realizing that actually means that you care and that actually you recognize that you've done something wrong. Um, and I think what you were saying about anti-racism work and the mechanics of shame and how that works, I think that's really important to highlight as well. Because um, I guess that's part and parcel of why I do some of what I do on my own social media pages. You know, I... Yes. Um, a bit like how you recognize so I've got I've got the I've got <laughs> multiple um, sort of things going on so I've obviously got the the white supremacy um, mm -hmm. understanding of racism and reckoning with that and sort of understanding that but then also I've got the um, the sort of I guess the patriarchy yeah. and the misog misogyny and sexism and oppression of women so I've also got that to um, not got that to reconcile with like it's a burden or anything like that. But um, I guess, the, you know, that's part of the more the sort of um, patriarchy, misogyny, re helping men recognize the the part that they play and how they can do better is one of the things that I kind of use my platform for. And that came about from, I guess, a bit similar to what you were talking about, I guess, a recognition and an acknowledgement of holy shit hmm. this is you know i i initially felt um you know the the story i always tell when people talk about how i came to do my my instagram page is the the kind of emotional connection i felt to the woman that i work with in the sort of forensic population that i do um and i guess what kickstarted most of that was just the general shame of being a man and of feeling that shame and of being like holy christ i sit here as a 
um, you know, personification of the sort of trauma and abuse that you've experienced. And I guess I've kind of started to shift beyond that shame because that because I did have that shame and that shame kind of like really annoyed me and made me angry, not at the women that I work with, but just at other men in general. Yes. And, you know, just the whole society of how could we live in a world where this is the norm for women, mm -hmm. that kind of anger, which again was my my defense came up and instead of looking at myself and the part that I play, I immediately sort of looked to other people yes. and what they do. But I've started to, you know, over time, I, I have sort of looked at my own behavior and I've um, analyzed that and I've understood it. And again, with compassion, understanding of, you know, I only knew what I knew at the time and I can't really hold myself accountable for things that I did in the past. Like I can't, you know, I can't be angry with myself and I can't shame myself for that because you can only know what you know. But now that I do know that, how can I move forward and how can I live a, mm -hmm. a different life and how can I help women mm -hmm. for one thing, but also how can I try and help men understand actually the parts that they play. But similarly to what you were saying in terms of um, how you can get parents being angry mm -hmm. at you for saying you're shaming me i quite often have a lot of men saying you're shaming us yes. for doing this why are you this is shameful and i'm just a bit like if it feels awful and it feels bad you might want to just try and think about why it feels like that because mm. actually all i'm doing is i'm just painting you a picture of what it's like and how men play the part in that and actually you're coming to me and saying that this is shameful i'm i'm not I'm not trying to shame anyone by pointing out facts. Exactly. <laughs> All I'm doing is I'm just showing you yeah. and I'm just telling you. And it's really hard. I think happened. what you do on your on your page, on your platform, I think you called it, like is a really hard thing to do. Um, and I'm obviously there, you know, saying hi to you every now and again or making a comment. You and are. I often <laughs> read comments from men and think, yeah, wow, like they felt shame. But they feel like you're shaming them, which you're not, you're yeah. never doing that. And I think it's a similar experience, right? It's because shame is so powerful. And yeah, I think it's a really hard thing that you do. Like, mm. you know, having those messages and putting them out in a way that is informative and edu educational rather than shameful, you know, like mm. we've both said this, I've said this in a podcast and I know you've said this on a post because I read it, but um, you know, for me, it's not men that are toxic, you know, this idea of like toxic masculinity, yeah. that's not true. Like, you know, when you, you said before, you know, I felt ashamed of being a man. It's like, it's not you being a man. That's the problem. It's all these other narratives that are held so tightly in our society and that the, the people who are the biggest victims of them are the men, like it's, it's impacting exactly. on you the most. So trying to like break free of them is hard work because they kind of become absorbed. So it is, you know, there's something similar themes with anti-racism in terms of we've absorbed yeah. these messages without questioning. They're just fact, you know, we think they're facts, but they're not. And when we start to question, it can feel really vulnerable. I think that's, it feels like a threat, like a threat to our own identities. And I think it's very exposing, isn't it? That idea of, you know, so whether you're a, a white person or a man or a white man, if you want to compound that, um, if you're then sort of presented with this behavior is no longer acceptable or, you know, in the past has been 
harmful to a particular population and this behavior has also been harmful to a particular population and probably you have engaged in that that's really exposing yes. isn't it that's 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 sort of peeling back that um uh, oh shit this is what i do and it's i've done that i before. guess it is critical. it's like putting your hand exactly. up and saying yeah i did that and shame will stop exactly. you from saying that or accepting it because it doesn't want you to accept it, it wants you to hide it that's what shame does yeah because it's easier it's easier to say you're shaming me you're horrible you're not you're not a nice person rather than looking inwards and going oh shit yeah i may have done this or i may have done that or i may have used this word or i may have said that to a woman or i might have done this you know on a night out etc things like that um which again makes absolute sense doesn't it it makes sense that in order to kind of protect your identity protect who you are protect how you understand yourself you're probably gonna rail against that aren't yes. you but actually i guess like what you've just said earlier in terms of parenting and what I said earlier about sort of being curious if you read anything like that in relation to not just the stuff that you and I post but just broadly you know across the mm -hmm. spectrum of life if you experience that it's probably worth going hmm okay where's that coming from and and what's that about and why am I feeling this way yeah and meet it with compassion and I yeah, think absolutely. Brene Brown talks about mindfulness I call it the pause you know like pausing because I know what if you say, if I say mindfulness, people go, oh, I can't do it. It's really hard. <laughs> so <laughs> I know I'm pretty sure Brene Brown talks about doing mindfulness, but I just talk about just pause, like slow down your reaction, you know, just sit with it for a while. Don't try and get rid of it. Like don't try and get rid of shame or pass the blame or just sit with it and go, why is reading this? You know, if it's on social media or, so or something like that. Why has reading this made me feel so angry at this person? You know, this person that I don't know, that I don't have a relationship with. What is this information telling me about me that mm -hmm. is making me kind of go, no, like complete rejection? Because it is about developing that kind of inner curiosity with compassion about, I may have done this before. Maybe I'm one of these men, or maybe I'm one of these parents mm -hmm. or something like that. And being able to think, does that make me like a monster or does that just make me a human who's still learning and has capacity to grow? Because that's what shifts shame. Like as soon as we're able to reflect and work through something, then shame shrinks and we're able to be exactly. more like, you know, take a more positive actions into the future rather than just sit with it and just let it simmer. Shame simmering in our bodies is not healthy. Absolutely. Um, Okay. I feel like that's like quite a nice place to draw this to a close. I think we've, we've trailed from a bit of what is shame? What does it look like? What are the benefits? How does it show up in children to, I guess, a bit more of a broader social um, consideration of about how, how shame functions um, in order to kind of drive, I guess, social change, which interestingly is, um, is mentioned in one of the, um, articles actually so there's this book called is shame necessary mm. um and it's written by uh jennifer jacquet where actually um she talks about how shame is probably quite a good useful to tool again not shaming yeah. but shame mm -hmm. being a good useful tool for social change and i guess you i know, think it is the, i think she's probably what, right sounds like a really good book yeah. <laughs> and i guess you know just talking about 
uh, you know, just taking into consideration the two things that yeah, we've just spoken about, um, it probably makes sense that, you know, shame is probably a really good um, driver for social change. Yeah, it's really interesting, those two topics, because they are kind of movements, aren't they? And they are things yeah, that do exactly. drive social change and may drive like policy reform and all that kind of stuff. So that's really important. Mm -hmm. So shame is useful in the sense that it helps us know when we've done something wrong it helps us identify where maybe we've fallen short of our own expectations or the expectations of others um, in terms of parenting i guess it's you know it can be used as a tool to help guide and shape children so long as it's not shaming yes. and it's not it's not being it's not blamed and children aren't made to feel like they are wrong or bad or problematic in any shape or form yeah. um I guess it's inherently um, evolutionarily driven mm -hmm. for social cohesion, for us to kind of bond and connect and to understand what the rules of our tribe are and where we fit amongst that. Um, and I guess it can be used for social change as well yeah. to identify where we've um, maybe fallen short again of transgressing and making mistakes in our life in various sort of shapes or forms and how to maybe learn from that, recognize it, be curious about it and uh, move forward a bit more positively yeah so we need shame i think don't we yeah just in a way that isn't being shamed by others yeah exactly yeah there is a difference isn't there there's a there difference is. between feeling shame and being shamed yes and it's subtle isn't it but it's an important yeah. difference and i don't think yeah. that gets spoken about enough yeah and i think you know i think you know maybe moving forward as a very basic sort of um tip maybe is to maybe ask that question of you know am i feeling shame or am i being shamed because i guess you know as somebody saying that me as a person is bad and are they saying that something about me is horrible mm -hmm. or are they just asking me are they just making a request which maybe i feel like i could have fulfilled can't fulfill don't want to fulfill for whatever mm -hmm. reason and that's mm -hmm. making me feel bad and maybe just being a bit curious about that i think that's a really important question okay well um marta thank you very much it's been wonderful chatting to you um I can't believe this is only the second time we've done it. Um, <laughs> it feels like we chat quite often, um, but it's nice to have you back on the podcast officially. Um, before we sign off, is there anything, I guess, that you want to kind of tell um, the listeners about what you're doing, what you've got coming up, um, any kind of things that, for them to listen out, listen out for, or just generally where to find you in case they've never heard of you, which I think is highly unlikely, but you never know. Oh, I think it's highly likely. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm Dr. Marta, psychologist. I talk about psychology. I talk about parenting. I talk about health-related stuff sometimes, all sorts of topics. Um, I've also got a website and a parenting course called The Confident Parent Course um, because I believe all parents are confident parents. You just need to learn how to look inwards and like find that empowerment in yourself. And I think the course is mainly like my aim was to empower parents to just recognize that they're already making the right choices for their children. That sounds like I'm not gonna teach you anything, but it's not true. It's lots of step-by-step -step guides and there's PDFs um, and they're really short videos. So they're all like five to six minute videos. So cup of tea, you can move on, you know, like, 
So it's meant to kind of empower you to think through things. And you can find more details of that on my website if you'd like to. And I have a podcast, which I always forget. And it's called Talking Sense with Dr. Marta. And it comes out every Monday. And it's a great podcast. I've uh, listened to it a few <laughs> times and have definitely integrated some of your nuggets of knowledge. Um, so, yeah, if anybody um, is in any doubt, go have a listen to the wisdom that you have um, and they won't be disappointed. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. No worries. Thank you very much for coming on. I'll chat to you soon. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.